0: chance to visit with, I want to greet you with God's peace, and it would be nice to be able to visit with everyone, um, because we have, my wife and I have enjoyed our time and your fellowship here, and I wanted to bring greetings from my parents. They would have liked to have been with us on this trip, but they weren't able to come, but they have oftentimes spoke of the hospitality they have received here, and they remember you with fondness and wish to greet you. Here, so be greeted from them before prayer this afternoon. I'd like to read the 126 Psalm, a Psalm that was a a Psalm of rejoicing after the end of the captivity. And the words are as follows: In Jesus' name, the 126 Psalm. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, Bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, shall we unite in opening prayer this afternoon. Gracious God in heaven, we come before you again this afternoon, asking that by your Spirit you would visit us, so that we would again be encouraged that the word would be opened to us so that we may again feed on the bread of life as we enjoyed the natural bread at lunchtime, that we now would again turn towards our spiritual portion and that you would bless our time and our gathering this afternoon so that we might be encouraged along this way that this word would become living and life itself to us. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with our brother as he again comes before us, that you would be with him, that he would be able to proclaim these words of life with joy, and that we also, the listeners, that our hearts may be quieted, that we may turn away from the cares of this life, And that we may receive this message with joy, joy unspeakable, when we look at this finished work that you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. So that even as we read, dear Father, that our tears, our tears of sorrow over our own ability to perform, have been turned into tears of joy when we look at the finished work in which you have given for us so that this afternoon we can rest and listen and feed upon this manna which you have promised to give us. Dear Heavenly Father, we also want to thank you this afternoon that we can stand here and proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ without fear of interruption and that we can travel freely and speak of the goodness of your Son, Jesus Christ. And dear Heavenly Father, again this afternoon hear us as we pray together that prayer which you have taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.
1: This afternoon, I would like to turn to the ninth chapter of Mark, and I invite you to use your Bibles and open up the Scriptures, and we will read from verse 14 through verse 29, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit, and wheresoever... He takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pineth the way. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him Unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, "How long is it ago since this came unto him?" And he said, "Of a child." And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us." Jesus said unto him. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the Spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Amen. If you notice that this event takes place immediately after the Mount of Transfiguration experience, and you have heard the euphemisms that the disciples experienced the mountaintop glory of Jesus Christ. From there they went into the Valley of Despair. It's so easy to live in the mountaintop experience when we experience the feelings of that experience. The Lord invites us to always live on the mountain, but to live it through faith in Jesus Christ. And also, To live as though you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death every day. And that again by faith. Because the Christian's life is not based upon where he is. Whether on the mountain or in the valley. But the question is, are we living by faith in Jesus Christ Because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And that's where our lives in Christ Jesus are experienced. Being kept by the power of God. Being held in the grip of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being taught by the Holy Spirit. Now when they came to his disciples down from the mountain, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. Now the scribes were the Bible scholars in that day. Straightway all his people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him saluted him. Apparently, right from the start we see, there's big trouble. The disciples of Christ who had been left behind, all of those except Peter, James, and John, they were now approached by a father who had a young son who was possessed by a demon, and they couldn't do anything to help him. And the scribes here are questioning with them, and they are drilling the disciples that... Why is it that you can't do what your master has done and has demonstrated for you? And the disciples are also questioning, why can't we? Because you remember, they also were sent out two by two. And they were told to cast out demons in his name. And they came back. And what had they experienced? They had experienced that they did cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ, and and they gloried and they rejoiced. Although Jesus says, Rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you. Even though we like to give that the most of our attention, and we give so little attention and draw so little awareness unto what Jesus tells us our hearts' thoughts should always be directed and where the Apostle Paul says, Christ is seated on the right hand of God. That is, rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven, which means to set your affections on things above. That's where Christ is seated on the right hand of God the Father. They had experienced Wonderful power in the name of Jesus Christ. But here, they weren't able to cast out this demon. So then the people saw Christ Jesus coming toward them, and they were amazed. They were thrilled to see Jesus Christ. Of course, they were always thrilled when Jesus Christ performed great miracles. That is, physical Miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, you remember. When Christ Jesus provides such means abundantly, amazingly, out of a few fish and a few loaves of bread, that he feeds thousands besides women and children, you can be sure you're going to have a large congregation. And Jesus had done that, which was good. And I don't mean to go off now onto a rabbit trail here, but... In the U.S. we have so much emphasis on the earthly and the temporal and the material in the pulpits in our land. But there is enough sprinkled in there, in that attention given unto the temporal and physical, concerning the spiritual, the cross and the resurrection, so that it appears and sounds so good, and you get arguments from many, that this, what you hear in this particular man or woman, in their ministry, are servants of the Lord. But I think what is so important, rather than to condemn anyone, where is my heart? Is it with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or am I being sidetracked and also following in ways that are not to the glory of God? You remember Jesus said, Will I find faith when I come again? When you read and study the context of those words, you will see that Jesus is talking about, Will I find that which produces saving faith when I come again? Will I find the preaching of the cross and the resurrection when I come again? The masses came running unto him because here was something again exciting that perhaps Christ Jesus now could perform in a way that would bring great excitement unto the people. They greeted him. He asked the scribes, What question ye with them? Isn't it wonderful when Christ Jesus comes to our aid? We've gotten ourselves into trouble. We've gotten ourselves into issues and debates. We find out that we are stuck, and we can't get out of it. We don't have answers. We haven't been able to perform or produce what we thought we could in our knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures. Jesus enters, and he asks, What question you with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Now that's the Father of the Son, Master. I have brought unto thee my Son, which has a dumb spirit, the Spirit that has um, silenced the lips ...of this young fellow so that he is not able to confess his need. He is not able to speak and testify what is his deep-seated problem. The devil does that to a lot of young people. Does that even to little children. Unfortunately, it appears that this young guy is being raised in a home where the Christian faith is absent... But it is not so far away from this family that they are not able to recognize that there is a man by the name of Jesus in our neighborhood and who is able to do gracious and marvelous things. He has mercy and compassion and he serves and he deals in forgiveness but with the great strength. He blesses and performs works, miracles that sets souls free, even from legions of devils. This man does. So the Father then comes unto Christ Jesus. And wheresoever... I will read 17 again. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son which has a dumb spirit. And I just want to say here again, oh, always remember, bring the children, whoever, bring them to Jesus. Always be bringing them to Jesus. Or in another way, It is said entirely in different words. Thy kingdom come. All the riches of the glory and the power of the kingdom of God that we have in Christ Jesus is ours. Lord, help me that I may bring my children unto this glory in your kingdom. The riches of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we would always put that first before everything else to our children. Whoso, or Wheresoever it takes him, it tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. And I spoke to thy disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. This man is making an honest confession concerning the Son, concerning the disciples. It is so good that we also lay out before the Lord, as Hezekiah did, you remember. Well, as all children of God do, they lay out before the Lord exactly what the problem is. We don't hide anything from the Lord. The father did not assume that he would be able to do something to help his son. He was fully given over unto the Lord, saying that only you can, can help. And often that's what has to happen. Our experiences has to become such defeat in our lives that we have nowhere else, in no other way, can we approach Christ Jesus except to be absolutely honest with him. And his father now was. He spoke by disciples, tried to cast him out, but they could not. He answered him. The Lord Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. It's a familiar problem that Christ Jesus now is going to deal with. The problem isn't just the young fella being possessed with a demon. It seems the greater problem is the problem of those who are faithless. Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? I think sometimes we have had to ask that question also of ourselves. How long do I have to be a child of God, spend time in the Word, in prayer, in fellowship, before I finally can trust the Lord Jesus Christ for the things which I have such difficulty believing Him for. The Lord Jesus is saying, O oh, faithless generation, how do we overcome this faithlessness? The Bible tells us that faith comes through the Word of God. Comes through the hearing of the word, it comes through the receiving of the word in the heart, and that the word may generate life within us, and that life is faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Christ's response to this whole problem. The problem with the child, the problem with the disciples, the problem with the father is faithlessness. So then, the answer to faithful, faithlessness, of course, is found in the Holy Scriptures. The Scripture leads us to Jesus Christ. Because Christ Jesus says, bring him unto me. That's the problem with faith. We don't bring our problem unto Jesus Christ. But in faith, we do and we must bring them unto Jesus Christ. Because the answer to all the needs of our children are found in Jesus Christ our Lord. I never shall forget when I was about 14 years old. I turned to my mother concerning some question concerning faith. And she looked at me and she said, Oh, Ansten, I'm so poor in understanding. I don't know how to answer you. And I don't remember the question at all. But then her face lit up and she said, Oh, Unstead, Jesus will take care of you. I've never forgotten the answer. That seems to be the answer to every question we have concerning our spiritual lives. How are we going to get through this world to heaven? Jesus will take care of you. What about here? Jesus says, bring him to me. Is that any different? Jesus says, bring them. Let us also lead one another daily, always, unto Jesus Christ. You remember again the demoniac who was delivered of the 2,000 devils. And when he was all set free, the Bible says that he was clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind. What the Bible always teaches, it brings us to Jesus. The Word brings us to Christ. Bring him unto me. What was the problem? Faithlessness. They didn't try to deal with this problem in the right way. The Bible here then says, they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. There is a resistance in the young people. There's a resistance in older people also in coming to Christ. And we see this and we experience it. But they didn't give up. They brought him unto Christ Jesus. Jesus. The enemy of the soul does not make this a a picture that is very attractive to look upon in bringing someone to Christ Jesus. There is a resistance and a rebellion. There is certainly an unattractiveness meaning that Christianity... In behalf of those possessed with demons is not a very enjoyable experience. But we like those enjoyable experiences, don't we? Dear friends in Christ, may we learn from Jesus that we bring everyone, including ourselves, Unto him. Then he asks the father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. I don't think Christ asked this question because he needed to know, but I think he asked the question so that others could hear How long have you kept this child away from me? How long has has it been that you have failed? to teach this child concerning myself and the love of God and the goodness of God. How long has it been ever since a child have I failed to do it? Does Jesus care about little children? Well, we know, of course, that he cares about them. But did you know that there's a generation, I think Helen remembers that, there is a generation where the parents did not bring their children to church very much. I remember a Mrs., I'll leave her unnamed, she said that her parents, both of them, were in faith. And this goes back about 75 years or so. And she said her parents didn't bring neither her nor her brothers to services. Very rarely would they do so. Left them at home. And that was a common practice. She said she's the only one who is in faith of all the children. And she began to point out and show how this had such a tragic effect or result in that generation, her generation. Just like when you remember, the old ones here remember the issue and the battle over what language the Word of God is supposed to be preached in. Whether Can we preach it in English? And I remember Zachary Berks that saying, there we lost another generation. And of course we're going to suffer some serious consequences in the generation now that's following me, my generation over the issue of music. Jesus says, How long has it been since this came unto him? How long have you been keeping him away from me, from the word of faith? Jesus is here showing and demonstrating for us by his emphasis by this question how important it is that in all of our doing in all of our concerns in all the different transitions that takes place in the church externally every generation has those have their own Their interests, and they have some differences, different ideas concerning church and many other things in an external way. And I don't think we as older Christians should make too big of an issue out of that. But I do think we ought to make a huge issue out of this. Are we bringing the gospel unto the young people? Are we bringing the word of God unto them? And that the emphasis would always be upon this matter. O oh, children, walk with Jesus. You're not always going to have all the external and enjoyments and temporal things to enjoy and indulge yourself in. The day may come and all of those things will be taken away from you. And you may have to live as people do in Burma or Sri Lanka where Linton Silva, a dear friend of ours, serves the Lord. Where one of his minister preaching acquaintances was shot and killed because he refused to stop preaching the word. Linton Silva comes to America. I don't know if he's been here in Canada or Sylvan. But he says that this can can well happen to me. I may be the next one. And he doesn't seem to be too alarmed. But that type of persecution is all around him. Then it's no longer an issue over these external things. Therefore, dear elders, don't make too big of an issue over the outward and external things. Here is the issue. Are we leading the young people... Are we leading our grandchildren to Jesus? Are we loving them in the name of Jesus Christ? Look at verse 37 in this same chapter. Whosoever shall receive one such children in my name receives me. And whosoever shall receive me receives him that sent me. Verse 42. Whosoever shall offend... One of these little ones that believe in me. It is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Are the children important to Jesus? Why do you think, he says, how long has this been with your son? Jesus deeply cares about children and young people. I'm so thankful for last evening's experience with the young people. It was so, so enriching for me. I was so honored to be with them. I was so blessed. Thank you, moms and dads, for what you have been, have given yourself unto the Lord as vessels in teaching the children concerning Christ and keeping them in the Word of God. In fellowship, church, Sunday school, gatherings, home services. As a family, singing and discussing and praying and praying. Praying with the children. pray with the little ones. Pray with them. Pray with the older ones. Dads, swallow your pride and start praying with your family from the heart. Pray with them. Thank you, dear Lord, for the work that is so evident from you in this congregation also. I have marveled. What a wonderful congregation this is. You people of God. Thank you for who you are. Continue in Christ. Fight. Remain in the battle, in the warfare. Fight for one another. Fight and love one another and be compassionate and forgiving toward one another. Again we read in the 10th chapter, the 15th verse, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Why is there a concentration in this 9th and 10th chapter concerning little children, young people? Jesus here coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration is now invited to enter into the need of this young fellow who is possessed with a demon. And this meant so much to Christ Jesus. He says that I am going to talk about this for the hours to come and the days to come. He was stirred in his heart. He was moved. And he would not allow this to be just an experience. And one occasion experience but I, what Jesus here chose to constantly hear for hours and days perhaps bringing Jesus, the attention of the people unto himself how the children need him. We know that in the world, in our community, in our cities, there are young people who are demon-possessed. There are older people who are absolutely demon-possessed. Say, well, we live in times when, no, that, that doesn't happen. We're too modern for those things to happen. Nonsense. The devil is the same. In the modern generation, as in the generation that Christ here shows us. Let's go on. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him, which shows us how much happiness young people have in the way of sin. I have met countless young men, middle-aged men, very young men, The last couple of years, hundreds of them. They will tell you their stories about how satisfying sin is. We know that at the moment, and they acknowledge also, at the moment, it brings excitement. But there are consequences. There are consequences within, emotionally, mentally. Externally, physically, materially, on the family level, and in every area of life, sin has its negative effect. And how often I've also seen them crying and weeping, how can I be delivered? And I come with the name of Jesus Christ unto them and the blood of the Son of God and tell them that it is not addiction that's your problem, it's not alcoholism, it's an empty heart that's your problem. Would you agree with that? It's an empty heart because God not only wants to deliver you from addictions and from alcoholism and from the pills, But he wants to deliver you from the root of the problem. And that's the human condition, the human heart. Jesus deeply cares. These are the type of people that Jesus met up with every day. Consider it. Do a study sometime in all the Gospels. And write down... Who the people were, what their background was that Jesus encountered, what their lives were made up at the moment that Jesus encountered them. How many among them came from noble lives at that time? Very few. Jesus. Then was told by the father that my son has a very destructive behavior. Do you know any sons like that? Do you have a son like that? Do you know young people who have very destructive behavior? I'm not going to take the faith away from this woman who I have met recently. A beautiful, beautiful black lady with a beautiful voice. Conversational. Her expressing herself. When she was 16 years old, she entered into the lifestyle of, of drugs, alcohol, and the whole gamut that goes along with that. And her family and others told her, by the time you're 18, the way you're living, you're going to be dead. She lived that lifestyle for 27 years. She has spent, on seven occasions she ha- six occasions, she has been imprisoned because of her lifestyle. I would never have believed it when I first met her and visited her at the first hour. I thought, this is the next thing to an angel. Then she told me, and then I marveled. When God does a change in a person, it's no longer the same person, is it? It is not the same person. She gives glory to God, not only that she was delivered but that she was born again and she tells the whole world. It doesn't matter. She wants everyone to hear this, but she does it so gently, so kindly, and so compassionately. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe. Again, may I say here, when you do a little bit of looking into the word, what Jesus is saying, you are asking if I can? You're asking me if I can deliver your son? Haven't you seen and heard enough about me? You don't ever have to ask if my grace, if my heart is filled with that kind and measure of love and strength and power to deliver your son. I will deliver the whole world from their sin. You're asking me I will. Don't you just hate yourself sometimes? Absolutely hate yourself for putting so many limitations on the grace of God. Do you know that the that one word grace is the word that I have the most difficulty in understanding. I just can't understand grace very well. I tried to talk about it a little. I've experienced it. Luther says, I have tasted one drop of the grace of God, and it has absolutely flooded my soul and overwhelmed me that I have to tell the whole world about this grace. The grace of the power of the cross and his burial and his resurrection. One drop did that. Oh, dear Lord, please help us. Help me that I would not put limitations on your grace, but rather fill me. Fill us, Lord. With yourself. So that we will go anywhere. As Jesus did. You remember every day he was going somewhere. But apparently those places where Jesus went and sought out sinners. Didn't please the Bible scholars in that day. Or the Pharisees. Or the priesthood. Because they called him what? a wine-bibber, a friend of sinners. They called him a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber. They called Jesus. They said to him, you absolutely have no self-respect as a Christian. Oh, dear Jesus. Jesus. May I reach that level someday where people will call me a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber and a friend of sinners? Will I ever reach, even come near, that place of honor where Jesus was ridiculed? by the self-righteous, the the work-righteous. All things are possible to him that believe. Brings us back to, O faithless generation. All things are possible to him that believes, who believes in Jesus Christ. Straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. He acknowledged two problems. He acknowledged and said that I am a sinner and I am full of unbelief in this sinful portion, but there is a faith that you have given me even here now at this moment that says, I believe. O Lord, I believe, deliver me from the ugly flesh and human nature within me. Jesus saw that the people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. You mean it was a dumb and deaf spirit. He couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. Spiritually speaking, that's the problem with those who are away from Christ who do not know Christ, the devil there, he takes their ability to hear and thus the ability to speak away from them. That's a result of unbelief. You remember Zachariah, the husband of Elizabeth. He didn't believe what the angel said unto him. And the angel says that, well, even though you don't believe, your wife's going to have a child in the due course of time. But you will not be able to speak until you see the birth of your son. Unbelief shut his mouth, and it stopped up Zachariah's ears. Oh, dear parents, oh, dear pastors and preachers, Sunday school teachers, we have far bigger problems than we realize many times. We get so caught up in all those little nitty things and we make such huge issues over them. Oh, may God grant us grace that we may see how important it is for us to to bring the gospel, the word to the children so that their ears may hear. And so that they may also testify of their simple faith. You notice what Jesus says here. Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. Here we have, by the authority of the word of God, set a sinner free from his inability to hear and to speak. The power of the word sets the man free because Christ is in it. And then he says, to come out of him, and do you notice that final word of Christ, and come no more into him. Well, I can understand that first part, but how can you be sure that the devil will not come into him again, thus demon would not come into him again, because by the Person and authority and the power of the Word. That's why you can be absolutely sure that your children are protected when they walk under the Word. They walk with their simple faith in the Lord Jesus. You remember the woman who was caught in adultery, brought to Jesus... Jesus didn't condemn her. And then He said to her, Go and sin no more. Forgives her, washes, cleanses her, sets her free. Fills her heart with peace and rest into her soul. Opens up the mystery of the kingdom of God to her. And she becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. Her old life is passed away. She's become all new. And then Jesus says, Go and sin no more. How? What sin is he referring to? It's what Jesus spoke of later in the Gospel of John. The Spirit of God will be sent unto you and reprove the world of, of sin. Sin because they... Believe not in me. Do not allow yourself to go into that way that leads away from Christ Jesus. Jesus then tells her how she can be sure that she's going to be walking in faith the rest of her life. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall have the light of life. Two things. The light of life, they go together. You have the word of God and the Holy Spirit, then you have the light of life. There, O woman, is the seat of your strength is the throne of your authority to live more than a conqueror in this life. This, woman, this message, Jesus here speaks. By the, His name, I charge thee. Please underline that. Jesus says, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. Isn't it fantastic to have the name of Jesus Christ, which is the person of Jesus Christ, who can say that unto us, that we are set free from the dumb and deaf spirit that we can receive the word. And as Zacharias, when his tongue was loosed and his ears were unstopped, he praised God and praised him. I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore. The devil doesn't give up easily but he has to yield at that moment unto Christ Jesus, to his word. And he was this one dead insomuch that many said he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Oh dear friends, reach the hand of Christ. your broken sons and daughters and raise them up that they may walk with the Lord Jesus now comes the big question when he was coming to the house his disciples asked him privately why couldn't we do that Jesus said This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting for who? For the young man? Oh, I think so. Pray for him. Lord, set him free. Fasting, bring the word unto him. Be absolutely focused on the word, bring it to him. But no, it's more than that. It's prayer and fasting for me, the one who is asked to go to the demon possessed. I'm the one who needs prayer and fasting. I need prayer and I need to grow in the word. I need to believe. Remember, Jesus says, He didn't say to the young man, You are faithless. His problem was he is possessed. The faithless generation Jesus speaks to is the Father. It's his disciples. The Father here is lamenting in verse 20, 24 that he is the one who has the problem of believing. Who is the one? Who needs prayer and fasting? I think it's you and me. I know it's me. I need prayer. I need to enter into the closet. And as you notice when Jesus said to enter into your closet... He says, close the door behind you. And then pray unto your Father which is in secret, and he shall reward thee openly. It will be apparent that you have spent time with God. But you don't do it for show. You don't do it to draw attention to yourself. The door's closed. The door is also closed because you have let go of everything that is a burden to you. You're leaving them with the Lord. The door is closed. The Lord says, don't leave the door open and let yourself be distracted. That if prayer doesn't work, then I'll try something else. No, close the door. Because prayer is not about, quote, prayer. Prayer is about God. And God wants to speak to us. Elijah prayed. Didn't seem like he got much of an answer on Mount Carmel, did he? dear brothers and sisters in Christ when our lives are drawn into lives of prayer because we have discovered I need to know Christ far more deeply far more richly I need to know Him in greater ways then He teaches us Don't look for the big things. Look for little things. And you'll see the hand of God working, answering your prayers. You will also see how Satan rises up in wrath and will do everything and anything he can to destroy the possibility of your prayers being answered Once, if you should, and I should get serious about prayer, the devil works hard to convince you. Don't disturb anything. Just continue as things have been. No, friends. Continue praying, and you will discover that the effectual fervent prayer. Please notice the order of those words. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that's all of us, availeth much. Jesus hears when we pray in his name and he presents our prayers through his holy hands into the golden vials that are before the living God our Father, which continuously enter as a sweet-smelling fragrance night and day. Keep pouring those vials full of your prayers in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody might say that, well, if I should really pray and start praying a lot and set special times aside like Daniel, dead morning, noon, and evening, went to his private place and prayed again and again and again. And other men of God who prayed repeatedly in a day, it was their determination to do so. I think I can become quite a hypocrite and a proud. Well, those thoughts will cross cross your minds, absolutely. But just remember that when you are praying, you're praying in the name of Christ. And when you pray in the name of Christ Jesus your prayers and minds are purified through the cross. Are they not? Our prayers have become clean and perfect and absolutely holy. And they enter before God. So keep praying. And let us pray for our children. And keep bringing them to Jesus night and day. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. Dear Father, oh Father, help us. Help us be humble and thankful and serve you faithfully. Bless all the moms and dads here grandmas and grandpas. Father, bless the little children. O Lord, please, deliver us from nonsense and distractions. And Father, root us and ground us in what is everlasting and what is glorious and praiseworthy to you. Amen.